filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Guys, I acid washed jeans last week. Oh, like, man. Straight up. <laughs> now, we're starting this podcast. We're, we're starting this one over. Put bleach it. in a spray bottle, sprayed it on some jeans, and you know what? It looked kind of great. It, it turned out. Don't believe you. This is this is only the, roughly in the same one week period of time in which you change your Twitter photo to more more readily emphasize your hair. Um, well, that it, the two are related because okay. I, no, you've had in no, that Twitter let's not, photo. Let's not say that you've had this hair for like no, a year but now. The Twitter, I, I've had this hair for a year and a half. I haven't cut my hair since COVID started. That's what I'm saying. So, but uh, the photo. My my new Twitter Abby uh, is after blowing my hair out and like hairspraying it and gelling it and like getting it big because I was going to an 80s themed costume okay. birthday party, which is also why I acid washed the jeans and why I cut the sleeves off of this rainbow also, eagle screaming also, eagle shirt I, I, I will also <laughs> from say, a few Adam, years ago. Adam, Adam, you love sleeveless shirts. Don't say that like that this is something new. No, but I I hadn't cut the sleeves off of this shirt before. There's a difference of, between of, it. That sh- of that shirt. Let's also let's also draw a defi- a very well defined line between a sleeveless shirt and a shirt that you cut the sleeves off of. Yes, um, which I agree. are extremely different things. Uh, I feel like, and I think it's, one of them is much as, more eighties, which is why yes, it happened. as a as a fan of various uh, costumed parties. Uh, I think that Adam made the right choice in not acquiring a sleeveless shirt, but getting a shirt and cutting the sleeves off of it. Uh, it's definitely the right thing to do if you're doing an 80s party. Um, sure. I mean, uh, 80s had a definite DIY influence on sure. on its fashion, and so I, I felt I had to be true to that ethos. Uh, I, I was going to say, I have a friend who dressed very similarly to what you're describing, including blowing. He had longer hair, and he blew it out. We actually had a friend come over uh, that because a house full of dudes, no one really knew how to style hair at all. Um, And so a friend of ours volunteered to come over early and she brought some hairspray and she helped him really, really 80s, 80s it out, like early 80s, like disco isn't dead yet, 80s. Um, But one of the uh, add-ons that he got was we, we were at the thrift store looking for just stuff that might go with this, this outfit that he was putting together. And he found what looked at first like maybe like a, a scarf or some sort of a neck uh, extra uh, accessory. Um, and, and it was like, oh, it's like a, it's like a faux fox kind of thing. But then when we picked it up, it was a faux fox thing, but it had seven legs. Um, seven, not four, not eight. Eight would have made more sense. Or maybe six. even more disturbing. Six, six also. Sense. There are animals that have six legs. They are not mammals. 
um, but they are they are out there. Um, but seven, seven legs. And, Stranger uh, Things is set in the eighties, and that sounds like something out of Stranger Things. So, and, and so this was definitely one of those like, well, this is a strange enough item where now you definitely have to get it. Um, <laughs> and people were put off by it. They were like, "Does that thing have extra legs?" Like, over and over again, like throughout the night, no matter yeah. how how long people have been Jason, around, like, hold on a second, does that have extra Jason, legs? Jason, mm-hmm. it's creepy. Oh, it is. Uh, but that's why it had to be there. Um, and uh, it yeah. was a, a a grand old time with the weird seven-legged fox. And also some of the legs fell off by the end of the night. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, Just oh, every step man. of the way, oh, the strangest so, thing that ever happened. I'm, I'm so can glad I, that was not my experience of the 1980s turn, party. Can I turn this podcast around? I'm just going to get it started for real this time. Hey, go. hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and two Don't of us it. love the 80s podcast. I'm I Adam. I say Seven-Legged Taylor. Fox podcast. We might be that too, although it's it's no longer a Seven-Legged Fox either. That's true. So, well, now I'm, I, I, I don't I'm know what youth. happened to it. It was thrown into youth. the trash that next day. I was I was only I was only four and a half when the eighties end. I'm a youth. Sure you are, Ben. I'm I'm not a youth. You have a child and a mortgage. Earlier You're Ben old, was like... talking about a uh, kitchen renovation to give you an idea of his actual age. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That said, the kitchen counter was chosen for its emo qualities. So No, no, incorrect. <laughs> it's goth qualities. Okay. That's not what your wife's Facebook post said. I will say that. Well, that doesn't matter. She told me it's our goth kitchen. <laughs> anyway, we're I'm Adam <laughs> Taylor. They are Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We are all from blackandredunited.com, uh, where we cover DC United. And uh, they're back this week. They are going to be playing up in New Jersey against the Red Bulls. Uh, on Saturday night, 7 p.m. on NBC Sports Washington, Teleexitos, DCUnited.com, or ESPN+. Plus. Uh, and we are going to talk about that game, just the three of us, tonight. Um, before we do anything, though, Ben, do you have a goth drink tonight? What are you drinking? No, I don't have a goth. Well, hmm, I don't know what a goth <laughs> drink would be, but I don't have one. Um, I have a... a it's not. It's just it, the blood of the ancients. Right. I drink it so much that it's not uh, coincidental, but it is slightly coincidental that I'm drinking a Manhattan when we're playing the team that doesn't play in Manhattan. I mean, neither of them do, but... Right, the team that plays in a different state. Yeah. Okay, what bourbon you got in there? I've or got... I, I went with a, just a, a classic uh, easy drinking bourbon. I went with uh, Evan Williams Black Label, and I've then I've got a Martini and Rossi uh, 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 Vermouth in it. Nice and and a Gorstra about, bitters, of course. I, I am also drinking something from that part of the world. Um, my buddy Trevor, who's a listener of the podcast, uh, just moved back to DC from New Jersey and brought me a Cape Bay, Cape May Brewing Company, always ready, hazy pale ale. Um, and it is, de- it's vaguely hazy, but it's definitely in, in an IPA kind of category as far as bitterness, but it's not bad. I'm enjoying it. It's very, it's very New Jersey. It's more New Jersey 
It's as New Jersey as the team we're playing this weekend. Yeah, it it owns its New Jerseyness. It actually literally says New Jersey proud on the the can, yeah. which is not something the Red Bulls have ever claimed. No, no, maybe some of their fans, but not the club. And, yes, and they've been willing to say it when they were the New York New Jersey Metro Stars. Maybe they did, but uh, you not can't say you're recently. New Jersey proud if New Jersey comes second in that name. Yeah, I feel like it's Gotham more New FC Jersey. Is more New Jersey proud is more Jersey proud than uh than the metros they, ever were they put jersey first they did you have to give it to them jason what are you drinking uh so i have a, a little bit of a soccer connection to my drink uh, adam just completely elbowed his microphone uh the I, I absolutely it, did that is exactly flying. what happened um it's because he's got the sleeveless shirt uh he's he's all riled up he I'm, does, throw, I'm here to destroy the elbows he, um, he's, he's just throwing bows doesn't know his own strength uh but no i so I went up to a friend's who lives actually very close to the liquor store, Christo's, that Christo's FC is named ah, for. Yes. And to get to his house, I have to go directly past it. Um, and he was like, come over. I got the fire pit going. We'll just sit in the backyard and drink a couple beers and sit by the fire pit and talk about nothing. So I was like, well, you know, I'll bring some beers. I don't want to show up empty handed. So I stopped at, at Christo's and got some beers and the leftover beers I have. Now, unfortunately, I've kind of shot myself in the foot because the beer I'm drinking is an Oktoberfest by Spotten, which longtime listeners will remember. I have been accused of drinking the same beer over and over again. But I want to be clear with people. The good folks at Christo's uh, liquor store did not sell me a beer that was already in my house for one year. Um, they sold me unopened beers. Right. They, no, this yeah. is not a beer they, FT. This is, they, this is they, an actual beer. They sold you yes. unopened beers that have been in your house for two years. I mean, the, the level of scheme that that would take would be very impressive. Uh, I do not think, with respect to their scheming ability, uh, perfectly nice people, I don't think capable of pulling off that kind of scheme. Um, this was uh-huh. beer that I bought uh, fresh. Give them some credit, Jason. They... They got into the Open Cup and made a little run there. They did. I actually, they've got a lot of like trophies and they've got like a big thing on the wall for winning the, um, the National Amateur Open Cup. Um, they've got a lot of like, they've got a legitimately so a lot of scheming. They, they, and they, and they set their they, mind to something, Jason. Soccer is not scheming. And they just put your old Isn't beer that? in the, in the cup. And then, and then swapped out the new beer uh, when you didn't see. I also, I don't know what would happen to a beer that had been opened roughly two years ago and was just left to be like out in the elements. Like at a certain point it would dry up um, and lose its ability to be a liquid. I would, I will also say that in, in actual seriousness, Spot and Oktoberfest is good. Yeah. Yeah. That, see, they, the one thing I will say, the, as far as a review of Christos, the liquor store, good selection of alcohol. Uh, of wine, lots of good beers on the shelf, but not a lot in the, they don't have a lot of coolers. And mm. so cold beer, when you're driving to someone's house, not, um, not many options. And this was the one Oktoberfest they had that wasn't like Sam Adams equivalent of Oktoberfest. I'm not even, I can't remember which one it is. And I was like, well, Spotten's the one that's a little more of a step in that direction. And it was, today is actually humid. It sucks out. I, I hate today. Um, weather-wise, but on on the weekend when I was hanging out by the fire pit, it was actually like a perfect um, Oktoberfest beer kind of night, and I look forward to those returning soon. Yes, agreed. Uh, Also looking forward to this weekend, DC United will be aiming to put the 2021 edition of the Atlantic Cup head on Saturday. They play, they pay their only visit 
to North Jersey and Red Bull Arena uh, Saturday night, 7 p.m., all the usual places, as I mentioned at the top of the show. United already beat the Metros once, of course, this year, a one nothing win on Buzzard Point back in late July. Since then, Red Bull have lost four of six, won just once. They have fallen to 12th place in the 14-team Eastern Conference. They're eight points below DC United in the final playoff spot with 12 games to play. Um, yeah, they're not in a great place right now. Last year, DC United, uh, a very bad DC United team, beat the Metros and got their coach fired. Uh, this year, a markedly improved DC United team beat the Metros in their first meeting, uh, ended a four-game unbeaten streak for the Red Bulls and sent them apparently spiraling. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have a question or a real observation there. It's just you love to see it. Yeah, it's nice to look at the um, the list of games and see a lot of L's. Um, literally one win in their last nine, um, five losses in their last seven. Uh, not a lot of like, they're not getting blown out by any means, but they're struggling to score and they're struggling to keep that one or two goals off the board uh, routinely. Uh, and there's kind of a an element of flailing to trying to figure out what's wrong with them. There's a little bit of let's try this, let's try that. Um, none of it's really taking. Um, and so, yeah, it seems like this is a team that is kind of this, this game for them is enormous. Um, we have to be, you know, one, you're hosting the team that's holding the last playoff spot and you're not in a playoff spot. Obviously it's a huge game for you. That's an automatic um, six pointer from your and perspective. Two, and coming out of the bye week, um, this is, they've had two weeks to prep for this game. Um, it's, it's home. This is supposed to be the fourth game of a four game homestand that so far has gone, they beat Columbus, then they lost to Chicago, which you cannot do at home if you have any For the any second time in yes. the month of August. Yeah, you can't lose to Chicago at home if you've got playoff aspirations at this point in the season. Sorry to the Chicago Fire, but that's the, that's the way of the world. The third game didn't happen. Uh, it got postponed. And so they're very they're very likely looking at if they can't get a win over D.C., they got three points or four points out of a four game, what was supposed to be a four game homestay was supposed to be psychologically like a platform to make your real push to get up the standings for, for it to come out with three or four points uh, for them would be like, well, that's, that was kind of our best shot right there. And it's, it's already gone. So great chance for DC to kind of like, you know, make sure the Red Bulls never even get, get up and going and stay where they are, which I think we would all be in support of. You mentioned the flailing. We we talked about kind of the team falling apart, uh, at least on the field, uh, in recent weeks. That is the context with which I want you to think about this next sentence. Red Bull manager Gerhard Struber is being floated for multiple jobs in England and is currently the bookmaker's favorite to take over at Watford. I mean, the Premier League choose through coaches especially in the uh uh, the the lower tiers of the league and at some point you just need warm bodies that have experience in europe to uh take these positions in these lower level teams like watford and so uh if struber gets hired that's fine he'll go there he'll be there for a year and a half he'll uh get relegated and then he'll get fired and go back to germany or austria i i will say i i'm 
I want to shout out um, former Spirit comms person, uh, Mason Cavalier, who is a huge Watford fan. Um, I'm sure he does not enjoy these rumors. Uh, I hope that for his <laughs> sake that Watford picks somebody else because it seems, I mean, one, it seems like it's not working for Struber here. So I kind of want him to stay with the Red Bulls. Um, <laughs> and then two, also, I don't want for Mason, I do not want a Watford coach that is kind of struggling. I, I don't know how much of this is like, his agent is very good at getting in the right people's ear and say like, no, 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 he's definitely, you know, definitely got a real shot at this thing. I also right. wonder. He was like, also floated for Bundesliga jobs right. over the summer. Right. Or last and I, winter. And I, I also wonder how much of this is that like kind of longstanding European thing where if you come to MLS and it just doesn't work, people are often, not always, but often willing to just be like, that doesn't count. That it's MLS. You, it's a weird vacation. league. Yeah. People are willing to sort of hand wave it away. Um, which is interesting because Struber came in with a reputation not too dissimilar from uh, Hernan Lozada in terms of being um, a real expert on getting a high press system to work uh, and and quickly. Um, because, you know, one of the things, like, like Ben said, the like quickness that coaches get hired and fired over there is in part, it's sort of like we need that momentum boost of a new coach um, because every point counts and we're always in danger. So, we can't afford to go on like a four game losing streak. We'll fall behind too much. So we, you know, three games in a row, it's bad. We got to get a new coach in. It's almost like that Brazilian league kind of vibe where the coach has changed like once a week because like, oh, well, you lost last week. So you're out and we'll bring a new coach in and they'll talk about their plans to bring more academy players in over the next five years. And you know that meanwhile, if they get to five weeks, they've won a small victory. Um, the English lower leagues are kind of sometimes, say, depending on the club, they get like that. So it's a bizarre rumor. I think, you know, the folks uh, at Once a Metro wrote about it and they were like, yeah, I mean, this is why it's happening. It's not necessarily um, founded on a lot. Uh, it doesn't really make a lot of sense based on what we're seeing when he's coaching the team that, that we follow. Um, yeah, it's a bizarre situation for sure, because normally if you're an MLS head coach getting European interest, you have to be like winning the league or like winning the shield to get even like a discussion. Uh, but maybe that only applies if you happen to have been born and raised in the U.S. Maybe you get an exception if you came from over there and showed up over here. Right. I mean, it seems as as we're seeing with some positions with uh, other soccer teams in D.C., I think it's the case in Europe that who you know matters a lot yes. when it comes to getting jobs. And if you have experience coaching over there, you know some people, your agent has the right connections all of a sudden you are an actual candidate for, for several jobs, which certainly is one way to run the world, I suppose. Mm. Uh, Jason, you mentioned that Struber had a reputation for implementing a high-pressing system and doing so quickly, and that seemed to be the case. When we had Mark Fishkin on back in July to talk about the – to preview the last game, uh, we talked about the Red Bulls being the Red Bulls again and high-pressing, and they're even – now they they have I think the second most uh, possessions won uh, above midfield in the attacking mm-hmm. half, like in the league. I think that that was Fop Mob that that said that. But it, that's not leading to the point of the press is that the press can be your best playmaker. That's yeah. that's always been the the ethos of of at least Jesse Marsh's uh, Red Bull teams, and certainly Hernan Losada's DC United doesn't seem to be the case for Struber though uh their defense is fine it's top 10 and expected goals allowed but their 
attack is 25th of 27 teams in MLS. So what's what's the disconnect right now? Uh, I think some of it is a lack of real creative talent to do anything when they get on the ball. Um, the forwards they brought in this offseason, uh, Patrick Klimala, who I think had been at Celtic, and it had not gone well for him at all at Celtic. Um, turns out if if a player doesn't go to Scotland and have a lot of success, you, you probably shouldn't expect them to come to MLS and suddenly be successful. Um, and Fabio, who at least to Fabio's credit, he has seven assists. He's taken a lot of their set pieces um, and has, has gotten on the, the score sheet from a creative perspective that way. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot of goal scoring ability throughout the lineup. There's no one that stands out as like a good goal scoring midfielder. Um, you know, Fabio's more of a second forward. He wants to drop off and create. So that's not really him either. Um, Klamala hasn't really done anything to, of note to justify what seems to be a permanent starting lineup spot. Um, a few of their other players where you would say, okay, that guy probably merits, you know, some time you'd think, you know, some of these guys that have had MLS experience, like Daniel Royer, for example, um, Royer barely plays. He has 393 minutes this season. Um, and that's someone who in the past was like indispensable for, for the Red Bulls, even when they changed systems and said, we're going to play two up front. They just made him a forward. They said, okay, yeah, you've been a winger for a while, but we're going to play you as a forward. They won't, Struber doesn't either doesn't rate him or thinks he's a bad forward. He doesn't play with wingers. Um, so that's kind of a bad deal for, for Royer, but yeah, it's, it's a weird situation. Like Caden Clark has not taken over like everyone expected. Um, uh, Wooly Carmona has actually been keeping him out of the lineup. Uh, and also is like, well, you know, he's a 19 year old. Maybe there's some promise there, but right now it's not a lot of like, wow, Carmona. Um, it's more like, okay, he'll get there if he gets enough minutes over time. Um, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of, it's just not quite enough talent there. It's not like they have a bunch of bad players. It's just, they really don't have anyone that's that game breaker. That's going to turn an average team with a good press into something more. And, and it's sort of like when, when DC was struggling to score, when Ola Kamara was unavailable and Edison Flores and uh, Paul Ariola were all unavailable. You said you could see, you know, the press is, is doing some of the stuff really well. It's just, there's no one on the attacking end that can turn it into more than this. I mean, at least DC had Gressel. So it was kind of like a torment where they were creating plenty and just <laughs> not able to do anything. The Red Bulls don't have Gressel or equivalent. Uh, so that's really where it's breaking down. Right. It used to be the Red Bulls always had like a Jaden, Braden, Caden that could throw right. in. And they have Caden Clark, but he didn't even come out of their academy. Right. Like he, he came from, I think, Arizona or something like or was a Minnesota Minnesota, yeah. Like, which also didn't develop him because they don't have a proper academy. They just had his homegrown rights. He's just a thing that happened. Whereas the Red Bulls Academy used to just churn guys out that they could just throw in. And they do, they're not doing that anymore. They did churn out one regular player this year. John Tolkien went from a guy who wasn't even on their roster last year on the, on the Red Bull senior team to pretty much indispensable for Struber. Um, but he is a right back slash defensive midfielder. Um, and he's fine. Uh, and for his age, he's obviously pretty impressive, but there's not that Kevin Paredes wow factor with him. He's more of like fundamentally pretty solid and a lot of stuff works hard, uh, understands their system, the role in the press and all that stuff. But there's not like, 
wow, what a dribbler or like, what a great crosser of the ball or, or even that like, Oh, he underlaps and get into the shooting positions. There's none of that stuff with it. So he's like, yeah, he's a solid player, but they don't have, um, and they this is Tyler of, Adams coming in to, to right. lock things down. And this is kind of the risk that like a lot of the teams that have weighed heavily on their Academy have run into is that you, your object there is to make sure you're developing contributors, but you can't assume that you're always going to get, just like DC has run into, you're not going to get Andy Nahar or Bill Hamid or Kevin Paredes every time. There are going to be years where the best you're going to get is John Tolkien. Um, And for the Red Bulls, they really need someone on the attacking side that actually can be that difference maker. And I mean, they got a right right back who's a little more, who's beating everyone out by a little bit. Right. I mean, yeah, sometimes instead of getting a, a an author who can write fantasy novels, you need an actual <laughs> defender who can uh, make a difference. Exactly. Uh, and, and look, uh, you know, obviously he's been busy with his uh, writing. Um, so it's impressive that he's even got time for soccer. I mean, props for he's, creating. And, and he's also a like 100 and multiple. Uh, dialects in Elvish. Right, and he's also 120 years old or something, so props just to be on the field. I mean, Stephen Colbert is a noted Tolkien head. He's quotes the Selmarillion. Uh, he's deep in it. I wonder if he ever makes his way out to Red Bull Arena to see his hero play. Probably not. <laughs> so, Jason, you mentioned that Struber is flailing a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, that nowhere is this more obvious than in their lineups for the past several games. Since the loss to DC United, they have run out no fewer than four pretty varied formations. One of them is the the four four two diamond that they started the year in, and that we saw when they came to Buzzard Point. Uh, they've also run a four two three one, which is a little different. You pull off a striker, you put on a defensive midfielder, you spread those outside midfielders out. Or you do the exact opposite with a 4-2-2-2, that box midfield, um, which you can play very narrow or you can spread it out a little. I'm not sure exactly how they they did it. Or you can just go very different with a three-back and a 3-4-1-2. Mm-hmm. Um, what on earth are, are, are they trying to do? Are they just trying to figure out the right way to get this personnel out there? Or are they just going situational against based on the opponent? Or are they just trying to find something, anything like DC United were around this time last year? I would have said, um, I haven't seen them play 4-2-3-1. I saw it put out there that they were playing that. But when I watched the game, I was like, this is this okay. is still two forwards. I think, I yeah, think I, have, Struber, I, should, I should clarify that all of the formations I was mentioning was based on MLSsoccer.com. Yeah, um, I think Struber is a dedicated two forward guy. Um, and so everything after that is within that, like, how do I get, how do I fit the pieces together where they can do what I'm trying to get them to do um, in a way where we're not getting exposed and players best positions are being emphasized though. There's still, like I said, Royer, Omir Fernandez barely plays as well. These are guys that probably should get some time, but they don't fit a two forward system. So they don't get to play, um, which is not the best call, but uh, that's, that's it. That's his problem. Um, this last game, um, I saw it listed as a box, but when I watched uh, the first few minutes, I was like, this is just a 4-4-2, like a regular old double pivot, two wide midfielders, 4-4-2. Um, and it, it again, it like, I would like to say it's situational, but like if you're playing the fire and you're playing um, a team with a back three, 
that plays like the fire, I don't think this is the, this is like not the way I would go. It's the opposite direction in which I would go. Um, So it's a little bit of a mystery to me. I I can't really, you know, I'm looking, I look for a a through line here where I'm like, well, this is what I think he is thinking. And it's just not, I think it really is just a like, well, let me try this and see if it works. Um, They're, you know, they played this back three, they won against Columbus playing out of that. Um, But, that was a game where they took the lead early. Um, they made some halftime changes, but they they kept they kept the formation in place. But they were asking, you know, Andrew Gutman came from left wing back to have to play the left side of the back three at halftime, and it wasn't, to the best of my knowledge, for injury. It was to accommodate adding Frankie Amaya, moving Tolkien out to the left. Um, so it was one of those like, wow, this is a big shift for reasons that are kind of hard to divine here. Um, against Montreal. So against the back four team, you know, Columbus plays four, two, three, one every week. They played the back three, but then against Montreal who play back three every week. They also played the three, four, one, two again. And then in that game at halftime, they changed back to the diamond. Um, so there's not a lot of consistency. It's a lot of like, well, let me try this. And then they try that. Um, and you know, yeah, I look through the lineup and there's also, there seems to be an inconsistency in who gets to play. You know, some players like Sean Davis, Klimala, Fabio. Um, it looks like Andres Reyes and Sean Nealis are the are starters in the back now. Um, Carlos Coronel is starting every game, so that's con- those are consistent. But like Amro Tarek gets to play some of the time when they're in the back three, um, but not other times. Uh, on the right, when they play with wingbacks, they like Kyle Duncan. He's suspended for this game, so um, they won't have that option. But when they've played with a back four, it's been like, well, you know, sometimes yes with Duncan, sometimes no. Whereas in the when he's in the wingback role, it's like, yeah, he's definitely the first choice right wingback. Um, so that's another issue that they've run into. It's just, it's been a little odd where it's like they're trying a bunch of stuff None of it's really working, nor is any of it really disastrous. Um, but instead of being like, well, maybe we'll get better at this thing, whatever, whichever one, if we just like play it a few times in a row. Um, but they're not doing that either. So there's not much time spent on let's get better at X, Y, and Z. It's just like, what if this doesn't work this week? Let's try something new next week. Um, they still want to press. Uh, when they play the back three, they do – an interesting thing where most teams when they play a back three and they want to have that sort of ability to toggle between a back three with wing backs or having that diamond look briefly, that center center back will step out into a six roll and the wing backs will drop off and they'll look like a back four temporarily. Um, you see this with NYCFC with James Sands, uh, possibly we're recording this right before the national team game. We might be seeing that tonight out of the national team with, with Sands yeah. in particular. Um, right. The it's Red kind of Bulls, an old school sweeper role. Right. And, and it, it's game situational. Uh, sometimes it's tactical. Sometimes it's like you have the, you guys have to read each other in the moment. Um, the Red Bulls handle it a little differently in that they always want one of the back three to step and be that extra layer in the midfield. But it's not the center center back all the time. It's if play shifts one way, it can be that left center back. And if play shifts the other way, it can be the right center back. They always want that extra man. Um, which is a similar thing. This is how pressing teams want to do it. Losada always wants that extra man. DC sends Andy Nahar forward in the attack for a reason, and they step high, take risks pressing without the ball. Um, but the Red Bulls, it's it's like 
everyone it's like everyone in the back knows that if none of them step up high they're all going to get chewed out so someone's always doing it um but it is kind of like it's something that might be exploitable because they haven't given it a lot of time they haven't they just they're clearly trying to do it it's clearly intentional it's clearly been drilled into their heads but they haven't had a lot of time to get reps with it and we're talking about a back three where a different member of the back three is stepping up as a six temporarily during certain phases of play that changes depending on the location of the ball. It's not easy. You can't just tell the guys, okay, do this. And they're going to do it the next week. It's that's a months long project. So this is maybe one of the reasons why their results have fallen off is that they're trying these long-term things, but not giving it a lot of time before it takes. It's like, well, oh, Chicago's coming to town. What do we do? Let's play a four, four, two. That'll, that'll work. Um, and it didn't. They right. lost at home to, to Chicago Fire. Right. They're not getting blown out at all. No. Um, they they're, all of they're the too losses good defensively to get blown yeah, out. All of the losses have been one goal losses, um, like one nothing or two one. I don't think they've even given up three goals um, in in recent weeks, at least from what I could, uh, what I remember seeing. Oh yeah, they did. They gave up three goals to the to the Revs. Okay. Uh, well, you, know, you might give up three goals to the Revs this year. Right. They did score two on the Revs to make sure yeah, it was a one-loss game. They did it twice this year, too, once again in June. Uh, <laughs> but their last multi-goal loss was uh, at home against Nashville. It was not supposed to be good on the road, especially back in June yeah. uh, when this happened. So, But since then, it's been all one goal or tie games either way, mm-hmm. um, mostly losing for them. So yeah. it, they, they can keep it tight. They just can't get over the line. So how do you attack this defense? however it may line up. Well, I I think the main thing for DC is just going to be keeping the ball moving quickly. Um, Make them, you know, make this press kind of pay because they are not, despite being, they're able to disrupt uh, almost on a level of DC, but they're still not as effective and not as dangerous as a pressing team. As we talked about already, they get the ball turned over. They don't do anything with it necessarily. They aren't that quick to turn it into offense. Um, which means DC doesn't have to be scared on the ball. They don't have to be thinking, I'm just going to make the next pass one touch, but it's a sideways pass or it's a back pass. They don't have to do that. They can actually be brave enough to draw some of that pressure and still play forward. Um, Obviously that's a very difficult thing for anyone to do, um, but they're capable of it. And so I think that's the main thing is um, DC needs to keep the ball in motion uh, because if they can get the Red Bulls to sort of chase that ball around, uh, trying to high press, eventually they're going to break them down. The, this last game that they played against them, they seemed pretty comfortable at, at getting the Red Bulls to pursue the ball without effectively winning it. Um, and yeah, DC won one nothing, but it was a game where it felt like DC might have been able to tack on a second one more than it did. Uh, put, they were lucky to get out with a one nothing. Right. Um, I don't think the Red Bulls had a shot in the first half. Right. They yeah, they they, they made the Red Bulls chase a lot and also didn't give them much of anything going forward. So. Um, but it was I, also a game I think the Red Bulls had the majority of possession. So is DC right. was kind of forced the Red Bulls to play with the ball, which you, you hear about pressing teams, you know, wanting to play against the ball. And it seemed like both teams tried to do that. And DC just did a little better. I wonder if that's I, I would like to see them play with the ball uh, in this game sure. and try to attack the Red Bulls that way. But I wonder if we see kind of a, a repeat of, of that dynamic. I wouldn't be surprised, um, especially since the Red Bulls have had that lack of ability to break teams down. Um, that was a game where the Red Bulls had 60% of the possession and took four shots in the entire game. Um, 
and that kind of sums up who they are. You know, D- DC made no, that was a kind of a no bones about it game. This is uh, I pulled up the stats on it and it's DC's passing accuracy was 63.1%. So it was very much like, we're going to look forward. We're going to be direct about it. Um, we're going, the passes are going to be risky, but risky in terms of the attack might break down because we're overreaching. We're going for kind of a home run ball, not risky in giving the Red Bulls a chance to, you know, win the ball in your back third and run in behind. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if DC kind of comes with that mentality again, where it's about, you know, we have to make sure that physically intensity wise, we're, we're on a par with them because like, like I said earlier, they're going to be, this is a huge game for the Red Bulls. Um, it's a big game for DC, of course, but it's a bigger game for the Red Bulls. When you look at their place in the standings and the momentum they have right now is dead. Um, they have to get something. Um, so I think making this game frustrating for them, um, may, kind of the, this is what happened in that previous game. The Red Bulls were very frustrated with how it was going because they were on the ball with nowhere to go. They couldn't force those turnovers. They weren't able to press DC into mistakes. It was just like, why aren't you letting us play the game we want to play? Um, and they never figured it out. Obviously, they will have you know taken some time to look at that and be like, well, this is what went wrong for us. Um, let's try to not do the exact same things again. Um, but I don't know if they're necessarily going to solve the problem because they seem to not necessarily solve the problem of most of the other teams they come up against. They seem a little kind of like in their own heads a little. Um, there's also maybe a little bit of a morale thing where it's not like they've broken down and are bickering with each other. It just seems like there's not a lot of that winning mentality that you tend to see in teams. Uh, this is not a team where you're like, Oh, they're bad luck to lose one nothing. It's like, yeah, one nothing sounds about right. They uh, they deserved it again. Um, and there's not right now. It's like who's who is the personality on this team that's going to break that? Uh, and I don't I don't see it so far. So this is one of those games where DC also needs to sort of kind of impose their will. Uh, now that they've become kind of this like the mentality is kind of feeding the engine, uh, so to speak. Um, I think they can impose their will and impose the fact that they're in a better mental place than the Red Bulls um, and are more at home in what they're trying to do because we know we know how they're going to approach the game. Broad strokes, at least, we know how Losada wants to go about the process, whether he wants to be full-time high press or want, whether they want to play the mid-block some of the time, whether it's very direct or very or more possession-oriented. We know what it looks like, and the Red Bulls are still in that, like, which one of the – what do we need to combine? Like, what – what are the settings? What are, you know? What dial do we need to dial in on here when we're moving the sliders around in the game of our life? How do we get it right? And none of the things work up. They're they're okay, but nothing's great so far for them. Yeah, DC United has the the luxury, I guess, of of having a plan A that's worked well enough that they can start fleshing out Plan B when they need to. And the mm-hmm. Red Bulls are still trying to make Plan A work. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't work, and uh, DC United's able to secure the twenty twenty one. Uh, Atlantic Cup this weekend. One thing to note: this is the the first uh, game of I, I think three in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so We're back doing next it week, again. Yeah, next week is a double game week, and then there's a week followed by another double game week, or you know, three games in eight days or seven days or whatever, and then it, it just keeps going. Then they end up with like I think five games in a two week span um, because why not? You know, yeah. why not grind the players into dust? Yeah, S- September is the new May. <laughs> um, 
yeah, hopefully DC United gets better results in September than they did in May. But yeah. um, we will see. It starts Saturday at Red Bull Arena. So uh, if you're not make it, not able to make it up there, make sure you watch. And uh, we'll talk about it next week on this here podcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. Uh, find us on Twitter at black and red U at filibuster DCU. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm told five-star ratings actually, and, and reviews really do help uh, more people find the show if they're looking for a podcast such as this one. So please help us out with that. Also just tell a friend about the show. That's, that's about the nicest thing you can do for us. We are, are and always will be uh, big believers in word of mouth. So for Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. I'm a five-star man, and we're a five-star show.